everybody, and welcome to Once Upon a Binge. I'm Paige. And I'm Maureen. And we are here today to talk about the second book in the Grishaverse trilogy, which is Siege and Storm, the hardest thing to say. <laughs> also known as the book where Mal is an asshole. Yeah, but like, an asshole that grueled on me. This <laughs> we're we're going to get into the Molina feels today. Yeah, we will, for sure. He's an asshole, but it's understandable. And honestly, it's better than just being stale white bread like he was in the first book. At least there's some complex emotions and like an arc going on in book two. <laughs> so this book opens with Mal and Alina on their adventure out of the Shadowfold into the ocean. And you think, you know, they're going to have a good time. They're going to be escaped for a minute. Literally, like, I think chapter two, the Darkling catches them, like, immediately. Mm -hmm. I remember somebody who just read it was like, I thought that this was going to be a thing. And then I was so disappointed. So anyway, Darkling catches them. They meet up with Sturmhund? Sturmhound? I I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. Something. (laughs) Sturmhound. And he's a famous privateer. So they're trying to go catch the Sea Whip so that Alina can get another amplifier. But then Sturmhound betrays the Darkling. They end up, she does end up killing the Sea Whip. All of that happens in like the first, I want to say even like fourth of the book. It's very action packed for the beginning. Yeah, in the first five chapters, I feel like it was very fast. So (laughs) So then they take Sturmhound's hounds. I can't say his name, whatever. Um, (laughs) Flying boat in through the Shadowfold into. Ravka again, and on that trip, Alina starts seeing the Darkling, which becomes a theme throughout the whole thing. She thinks she's imagining it. Spoiler alert, she's not. It's a thing. <laughs> it's like Ray and Kylo. This was the blueprint for the Literally, I am convinced Ray and like I'm, I'm convinced he read this book because it is exactly it really what is. happens in Last They get Ray. into Ravka, they crash land actually, and then in the mix of all of that, they discover Sturmhound isn't a privateer. He's the prince, Nikolai, our dun, dun, favorite dun. boy, the best boy in the series, in my opinion. I do love Mal. Arguable. <laughs> I love Nikolai so much. He's very sassy. He's very charming. And he wants Alina to marry him because he thinks it would be a very wise arrangement for her to marry him because he's the second born son. He wants to be king. He's trying to play the pieces, but like in a smarter, kinder way than the Darkling, but still playing Alina and being like, let's just mm-hmm. use you. But like he actually genuinely cares about her and her future, but he also wants to use it. He is like real textbook three week four in this book. And maybe that's why I don't like him as much is because I'm not impressed by it. I'm like, yeah, I get what he's doing. Like, You're like, I see the strategy. Whereas like last book, you were like, the Darkling's so smart. But like, he's also <laughs> he Okay, he's smart because he does it in a way that I personally wouldn't do it. Nikolai does it in a way that I'm like, yeah, that like totally tracks. That makes 100% sense. Amazing. So they get back to the castle um, and... Nikolai really is like, I'm gonna take the reins and it's gonna be fine, but he didn't account for his brother. Being jealous and being like, no, actually, I want the throne, but he doesn't really want the work of the throne. And Alina also goes to the little palace and takes back over all of the Grisha that are left there. So she's trying to figure out her place as a leader and how that works while Nikolai is trying to subtly steer his 
brother away from being king by giving him all of the terrible things that he doesn't want and showing his aptitude for being king. So there's like a lot of in-between stuff there of like training and Mal that I haven't talked about and all his feelings of inadequacy and how he doesn't feel like he measures up to Alina and that he's not like there for Alina because a lot of the stuff that Nikolai planted in his head that's accurate but also like not what Alina wants is that like him being with Alina is something that people will look down on her for and so he's like okay I shouldn't be with you but it makes her sad lots of miscommunication he's angry he fights in a barn that's Mal's time in this book um we're also introduced to Tamara and what's Tol- Tolia? Tolia, yeah. Are they twins? I don't know. They're siblings. I feel like they can't be twins because Tamara's like, like gigantic ginormous. and Tolia's like a tiny, yeah. Yes. Is Tamara gigantic or is Tolia gigantic? Tolia's oh, the brother, right? Oh, I don't remember. The brother's <laughs> one, bigger. <laughs> one of them's bigger. I'm Googling this. Where's my phone? <laughs> Google it. Well, this is the reason why I just finished my Crooked Kingdom reread. And Tamara shows up and is talked about as a girl. Tamara is the twin sister. Tamara's the sister. Tamara's the sister. Tolia's the brother. Yes. He's just like built. Like I picture him like Maui from Moana. Yes. Or like Correct. Wreck-It Ralph. Mm-hmm. That's his body type. Anyway. They're shoe twins that Sturmhound, a.k.a. Nikolai, recruited. He has, like, his own little tiny Grisha force that help him that are just, like, people that didn't want to deal with being part of the Second Army, didn't want to deal with the issues in their countries. He has has his own little crew. He's got his own little Six of Crows crew (laughs) that we know nothing (laughs) about besides Marl and Tolia. The big things start happening after we have a little bit of, like, miscommunication with Alina and Mal and like their emotions um which is Vasily being an idiot being like I'm smarter than everybody and he does something I think it's like opens up a logging pass to make a quote-unquote deal with the shoe but the shoe are working with the darkling so they end up ambushing the palace and nobody like they've been preparing for an ambush, but they are so taken aback that and like off guard that they can't actually do anything. And a bunch of people die. Vasily dies in a very gruesome mm-hmm. way, which oh, yeah. will be so intense in the show. I really wonder if they're gonna go like full Game of Thrones with that or they're just gonna like cut away because it's mm-hmm. a lot. And Alina finds the Darkling. I like who else dies? Um, Marie dies. It's a bunch of characters that we meet this book so some of the grisha that were left in the little palace are like polia i think is one of them basically any grisha that you meet in this book they all just like, <laughs> dies die. at the end some of the other people are saved like the children that mm-hmm. alina smartly sends to karamazin i know words where she grew up <laughs> the book ends with alina's point of view in a very interesting way being like i'm gonna go join the darkling and that's what you think is happening until she goes up and starts sucking the life out of the darkling because like calls to like and she's like this is the only way that i can be rid of the world of him but mal and his baby self cannot let her die so he ends up taking her from that and they go underground with the apparat that was another thing i forgot about the apparat is like (laughs) pops in here and there and there's like the order of the sun the people who are 
dedicated to serving Alina, but like in a saint-like capacity, and Tamar and Tolia are part of that, and they're working with the apparat, so they all go to ground, and that's how the book ends, and Alina's like unconscious, I think, like she's in and out of consciousness. She's in and out of consciousness, but the big thing is that she wakes up and she can't use her powers anymore because of what she's done to the Darkling. So, like, that was, like, the one thing that I thought was in book three, because I remember vividly the beginning of book three is her trying to figure out how to get back to her powers. That's the only thing I remember about book three. Yeah. And her hair is white. Those are the two big things. Like, she's, like, brittle and, like... she's old. She looks like an old lady. And you don't really know where Nikolai is. You don't know where the king and queen are. You just, like, assume that hopefully they got out and the Darkling is over all of Ravka. So many things happening in this book. Definitely an in-between book, but I feel like it has such a strong third act, especially with the ending, that it's like... The beginning, like, you mentioned that somebody you knew was frustrated by the beginning of, like, the Darkling. It was not chapter two, it was chapter one. At the end of the first chapter of this book, the Darkling catches them again. And I remember being (laughs) so frustrated because it feels like... It worked in the first book because you have to do some sort of action, like, setting to, like, introduce the world, to introduce the powers, like, all of that. So the first book, starting quickly, made more sense, but also we've got, like, two or three chapters before the big inciting incident. This just pops you in and takes off immediately, and I felt so unsettled as a reader, especially because I'm reading it. I feel like it would have worked better, like, when you're waiting for the book to come out for a year. Mm -hmm. That it starts immediately probably worked really well, but when you're reading them back-to-back, we needed some more time with Mal and Alina to establish their relationship because that's such a core element of this book that it felt so rushed that we just got one chapter of them being on the boat, being like, the boy and the girl on the boat. The girl scares everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, that's all we get to, like, establish their relationship minus, like, the end of like the first book where they're like traveling the country which we never see we don't see the country in this book either they're in the carriage we see like (laughs) the parts that we are meant to see which is the castle the little palace again and Sturmhund's ship that's it Sturmhound I'm gonna I I I still will never know how to say it Sturmhound is what I'm gonna go with (laughs) uh yeah like I feel like that this book for me like the first book I could give like her a pass for the world building because like she's setting up all this other stuff that we need to set up for the series but this book the world building or lack of it really frustrated me to no end especially because of the second carriage ride like I mentioned last time when they were like traveling the country looking for the sag I was annoyed but this time they had an opportunity to show us more of the country because they're doing a tour for Alina to like show herself with oh my god my voice just cut out <laughs> It really said, we also hate the carriage, so we're just right? going to express that. Oh my god, yeah. So she, like, they're doing this whole tour so that Nikolai can, like, show off Alina and sort of imply that there's a relationship there that there isn't. And we see, like, maybe, I think, like, one or two towns, but not really see them. We just know that they're, like, standing in front of all these peasants. And then we're just in the little palace for the rest of the book. Like, the rest of the book. And I feel like that was really frustrating for me as a reader I don't know I feel like because of like Six of Crows which is her duology afterward we see way more of the world and there's more world building that feels more like substantial I think the focus in this book was a lot of like lore and power Mm -hmm. focus for world building rather than like actual like here's where we are and what we're doing it was like talking about Morozova a bit and like his Mm -hmm. journals and her going through his journals and talking about 
how like David can do different things as a fabricator and like a lot of that, which is not necessary in Six of Crows. Like I agree, but I was saying like that isn't necessary in Six of Crows because it's so established by Mm -hmm. this that they're like that she was probably like, okay, we can actually talk about the world and like different areas now but like it would be nice to have both and but that was definitely the focus of this book yeah and i feel like in some parts it also fell short and it made some of the choices she made were kind of stereotypical because i was talking about this like on the live show that i do separate from this like i was noticing more of like the faults in the world as well because of the lack of like flesh outness of it because like she the way she decides to build this world is ravka's white because it's russia and then they have, like, Novi Zem, which is, like, black people, <laughs> off in one corner. And yep. then they have the Shu, who are of Asian descent, off in another corner. And then the Firdans, who are, like, white, again, Scandinavian people, off up in the top, who yep. are the ones who actually betrayed Ravka with the Darkling. Oh, is that it what was it was? Firdans and not My the Shu. My B. Yeah. I know they were like between the two. It was they were like they it was could, one of them. It was gonna be one or the other. Yeah. I forget where the things are on the maps. Valid, to be honest. So like why no but I was like questioning her choice as an author to group a whole like put countries as monoliths, basically. That yeah. was something I was struggling with, especially because she added some elements that were sort of stereotypes. Like she says the Zemeni people are um I can't remember if she said savages or they're barbaric, but she uses that word, but they know their way around a gun, which is what Nikolai says at one point. And then we know, like, in the later series, like, Jesper is of, like, half Zemeni or whatever descent, and he's good with a gun. So, like, there's little stereotypes where she said stuff that was sort of weird, and then, like, the shoe, when there's a scene in this before Alina meets the apparat because he set up this whole elaborate thing where he could, like, run into her, Alina and Mal sneak out to this party where they have to dress like shoe fortune tellers and they put on a fake accent of the yeah, shoe. Yeah, that was, I wonder if I read that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like if she oh, no, taken more care. Which are the... Oh, yeah, Suli. The... So like they're also like slaves, enslaved people. And like, so like I feel like she, because there was a lack of care with the world building in this sense, like she tried to make it more diverse, but in a way that was just optical that was like another pitfall for me reading this because like I was there for all the character interactions and development but I was like this world building is yeah so, it's they need to fix it for the show <laughs> it's very basic and very like let's not really care and just do a lot of like youth kind of know these stereotypes so just mm-hmm. we're gonna throw people in them and it's very like it did come out later but it still falls prey to a lot of those like early 2000s stereotype mm-hmm. in YA series it very much like feels like that when you reread it it's like there mm-hmm. are things that really work and there are things that don't <laughs> and that is a big one yeah like her the way she explores like the politics of the world the way she explores how religion impacts like power like all of that stuff is so interesting and I really enjoy it because I love reading like courtly intrigue like power place like that stuff is just my shit but, like, it definitely feels like an early 2000s fantasy oh, written by a white person. A <laughs> 100%. Dang it. I have a spoiler for Six of Crows and Cricket Kingdom. And I'm like, <laughs> they use that stereotype. However, there is, like, another thing. I think that... we need to talk about Six of I like, I know that well, series we'll fairly just, well. We'll just say spoiler for this. But it's really interesting that that's, like, a stereotype where we find out in Cricket Kingdom that Jesper is, like, using his power as a fabricator mm-hmm. to make himself a good shot not because of like anything else so i'm like 
interesting choices. I wonder if that was like, we're going to try to retcon this in a different kind of way, but it's not going to really work. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't even like the fact that she said like he was good with a gun. Like she might have been referring to Jesper because like they are in the show. So maybe like that was a... Like, maybe that's the person he was referring to, because um, Mal also talks to somebody named oh, Jess. Oh, yes. And so, I want it to be Jesper. I just want yeah. it. I want that to be a thing. It's probably not, but I want it to be a yeah, thing. Yeah, but, like, they can retcon in the show for it to be, like, make sense why the crows are in, like, the first season. But it was the barbaric word that oh, I was like, that's, ma'am, no, you did not no. have to use that. Yeah, I was like, that is... A choice that you made so like I feel like it was like an interesting take because I feel like that might have been like trying to infer like Jesper is one of the people but yeah it was just a weird thing that's like the one thing that stood out to me reading this I was like oh okay I had to put down the book for a minute like okay <laughs> we'll get honestly back to it it's inexcusable things from early 2000s books and it's funny because like I'd completely forgotten about it because I had read it before but I just had not clocked it for some reason so we can talk about Mal being his really sad self who just he's a little boy that needs a little bit of therapy and doesn't get it (laughs) yeah mal grew on me this book i wanted to hear more because like he is absolute trash in this book hannah my friend was saying they're codependent on each other which is very true they are like traumatized to the point where they need each other which is like not the healthiest relationship to be in but like they're in the middle of a war at this point i'll give it to them but For me, it was seeing how Nikolai also came in and was supposed to, like, I feel like he was supposed to be, like, a mirror to the dark thing where, like, he also wants power, but he is open about it. Like, he tells Alina, like, this is my plan. This is how we could benefit each other versus the dark thing who tried to make her choose it for herself. Mm -hmm. He's actually letting her make the choice because he's like, you could say no, but, like, you'd be dumb to say no, in my opinion. But seeing, like, somebody else who sees Alina for what she is right now and what she could be and doesn't really have, like, the history of who Alina is and, like, her actual needs and wants and, like, she doesn't want ambition. She doesn't want to be, like, queen, all of this stuff. And then seeing Mal, who's, like, feels like the only person who actually knows Alina, like, internally, who she is, like, to her core. And, like, he is the only person I thought in this entire book, like, without all the bells and whistles, without her power, he would still give his life to make sure that she's safe. He, like... I don't know, he puts her above everybody else in a way that, like, I know he would never betray her. And that's why he grew on me. Yeah, and I think that, like, a big argument that people make is that Mal, like, doesn't want her to have her powers. And I think in this, in the first book, that feels accurate, but I think it's, like, born out of, like, reaction and, like, Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do. But in this book, you really see it's not that he, like, doesn't want her to be all-powerful, like, He's like, I will be there for you no matter, like, who you are and what you decide to do. But he knows that she doesn't want that. And he mm-hmm. is a very much a grounding force for her and is like, come back to yourself. Remember who you are. I'm going to remind you of who you are. I think he's just scared of her losing herself more than anything. He's not scared of her having the power. He's scared that the power is going to make her not know who she is and it's going to, like, burn through her. And then she's Mm going to be gone and he's going to lose her. So it's just a very like, it's definitely more nuanced than like, he doesn't want her to have powers. It's like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want her to lose herself in the middle of all of this power. And like, she has a lot of those moments, but they're very internal based. Like, I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this. And is like having that battle within herself. And Mal sees that and is like, I'm going to speak to that in your life rather than being like, you should go one way or 
or the other. And that was like something whenever I was rereading that I get frustrated. Like, I'm like, I get your argument. However, I feel like you're missing a couple key points in this argument. (laughs) And I feel like part of it for him too is like, his arc in this book is realizing like she's not the same person that he knew when they were kids and he has to reconcile with like the new person she's becoming and to fit like learn to fit into her life again like mm-hmm. he can't just easily slip in just because they've known each other and that's his arc like when he's fighting in the barn part of it's because he's a little shit but part of it is because <laughs> he's learning to like fight Grisha he's learning to like adapt his skills to meet their power like he's not scared of it anymore he's trying to like engage with that part of her that he has tended to like step back from so like when I saw him fighting I was like oh he's trying to improve himself and like actually be able to like go up against the Darklings Grisha to protect her in a way like I don't know I just love him (laughs) in this because he actually has an arc versus like Nikolai who's just like charming and suave throughout (laughs) the entire just one note (laughs) fair fair and I think it's also like very obvious that like he is going to fight for her whether or not they are together or not like Mm -hmm. he's gonna be there for her whether or not she does the things that he wants her to do he's like i'm still gonna be the captain of your guard even if we're not talking i'm still like gonna be here and i know this is like spoiler for next book but i feel like you'll know what i'm talking about this is where like i understand the semantics of i am become a blade are extremely like it sounds bad but at the same time like that's mal's arc and you see it starting in this book like that's what he Mm -hmm. is for alina like he is gonna be a like weapon for her to use however like he can be like that's Mm -hmm. what he wants to be for her he's gonna be there for her in every single way and even though it's comes out really wrong (laughs) in the next book and that's like a big thing like it's just like it really does speak to his character and who he is and yeah it's why I love him I'm ready for everyone to love him in the series he's the only character who's like everybody else is like what can Alina do for them and he's like what can I do for Alina like how can I be useful for her and I, I just really appreciate that about him I'm growing to like the soft boy even though he soft was still boy. white bread in the first book <laughs> he, was. he doesn't have a, any kind of arc in the first book because he's really mm-hmm. there honestly like for Alina's character growth and to be of like a other side to the darkling when we get a better one in this book in Nikolai and he doesn't have to necessarily like fulfill that role Oh, we can talk about one of my least favorite scenes in this entire series. <laughs> I feel like nobody really talks about this scene, which is the Darkling turning into Mal mm-hmm. to try to, like, get with Alina until she, like, calls him on it. I remember rereading that for the first time because I hadn't, I didn't remember it. And I was like, how is this something we didn't talk about when these books came out at all? Like, this scene just got completely glossed over and I was like I have a real issue with the consent mm-hmm. happening in the scene in so many ways like already obviously Darkling's the villain but like I was like this was like the moment that I fully was like we cannot stand the Darkling I was talking to someone about this obviously I don't know who it was at this point this has just become my life is talking about Grisha Bruce <laughs> but <laughs> I was saying like how the first book we're able to romanticize the Darkling because Alina's romanticizing the Darkling because she doesn't know like his evil scheme like he just the whole point of that book is for you to see how she could miss him being evil because he's like sexy dark evil love him but in the second book I wasn't like you know what his plans are and he seems almost like desperate and needy 
in a way that yeah. was just like I was I just wasn't vibing with the character anymore. <laughs> I was like, you're kind of lame, my dude. Like, give it up. It's okay. Especially with like that scene because in that scene he looks like Mel and then he like transforms himself. He like reveals to her like actually it's me. And every time he appeared to her, we're supposed to like empathize with him at one point because he's like she asked him why do you keep coming here and then he's like because I'll be alone if I'm not here and I'm like sucks to suck then don't be evil like <laughs> there's an- <laughs> don't be evil simple solution don't be don't evil, be evil. <laughs> So yeah, like especially when he comes back to the like after he sneaks back into the country, he kills a whole bunch of people and they end up in the chapel. And he's trying to be like, Alina, power, come, like, let's chill. You can tell he's trying to manipulate her. So like his allure sort of it's the sheen rubs off in this book because she gets to spend time with other people and see like the opposite side of him with Nikolai about somebody who like has power and would willingly give it without trying to like gaslight and manipulate you emotionally. I think that there's just like a lot of lines that he says in this book that are just very like they're in line with the power theme from book one but it's like I'm going to control you like we can have power together and like rule everything even though Alina we know doesn't want that I really love that end scene where she's like I'm gonna turn this Mm -hmm. back on you and pretend it's so great but I think there's like something he says of like or maybe it's book three when he says like I like I want to have you or like no one can kind of along those lines and I'm like no we don't like it here but it's just like really interesting to see his progression as a character and as a villain something that i've been talking about with some people that like it's really interesting to have ben barnes as his character Mm -hmm. with a much younger looking alina where you're gonna be able to see the imbalance of power much better because like he is a immortal really old man's being and like there's like something to be said for like that's a trend in literature of like this centuries old person falling in love with the like 17 year old so it's really interesting to see that like physically happen as well but ben barnes is still the best like i think i had a tweet that was like ben barnes is gonna make me like the darkling because i hate him so much but like i love ben barnes i'm like the opposite of the Mm, spectrum mm -hmm. it's just gonna be very interesting to see how some of this like plays out actually on screen and it's like strategic casting uh-huh. on their part to choose ben barnes who we all know like well we all <laughs> millennial <laughs> younger millennial people know is like prince caspian who like he's like this good person from that series who like is miss like he's misjudged in the beginning they think he's evil and he turns out not to be like that whole arc there Ooh. and like he also plays like older like he plays dorian gray which is also feels like kind of on the nose in terms of, like, the casting he's eternal like typecast like, specifically as somebody yeah. who like has dual personality shifting that's so funny i didn't even think about yeah. that yeah so like it's his face is beautiful to look at and you're gonna automatically trust him because of the halo effect that is just a psychological human thing so like i when i saw his casting i was like of course it couldn't be anybody like we need somebody like him who's like familiar that you're automatically gonna trust Mm -hmm. and that's what's gonna make the betrayal that much more interesting and i'm curious to see like what he does if we get more seasons with the betrayal of the dirt like will i like him more in the show (laughs) past the first season even though like in the books i don't like it exactly i'm like how much is Ben Barnes gonna sway me just because he looks the way he looks you know like it'll be interesting I think I'll like his character more but I mean I will never be a dark Lena shipper and I don't think Mm -hmm. that's gonna come out but I think his character will be much more interesting based on how Ben 
chooses to play it for me specifically. Is there any other book things to talk about before we can just transition into screaming about the trailer? I guess we could talk about like Nikolai a bit because oh, we yeah. haven't really like gotten into him as a character and like Tolly on Tamar and like that whole religious aspect of this book which like really was pounded in for this. It really was. It was very much like religion can also be the ultimate evil but in a subtle way. It's very like controlling religion vibes. It was interesting to read it because I respected what the apparat was doing like his power play. I was like that's a very smart way to like claim your own power because hope in the form of Elena as a way to like combat the darkling and also to usurp the king and queen is like it's a very just a smart move on his part no matter how much I agree or disagree with what he's doing and it was just interesting to see like how religion could be like used in like a political scheming sense because I feel like a lot of YA fantasy tends to gloss over religion in culture mm-hmm. and society and the, the impact it has but this book really like it's a main focus of it with the whole like the saints being at the center of everything and how like myth and story actually isn't necessarily what we all like seem to think it is sometimes so like reading that was very interesting like elena discovering that morisova is probably grisha not yeah like... he's a fabricator specifically oh, yes. who are like the lowest ranking grisha which was like he's one of the most powerful grisha and he was of the lowest rank in the Darklings tier. I really liked that aspect. It was a very interesting power play that he was like really doing like, let me gather all these people you don't care about and you really don't want to deal with. And I'm going to make my own army. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like basing it like on the armies that we see from other people, like the second and first armies who are like led by the king. And well, in this case, it would be by Nikolai and Elena. And also, like, the Darkling's army, they both are motivated by different things because the Darkling's army is motivated by fear of the Darkling for the most part. And the first and second army is, like, by honor to, like, the country, like, very patriotic. But with Alina, like, with the Sun Summoning army through the Apparat, it's about, like, hope and belief and, like... It's a very different set of motivations, which they would go further than the first and second army or the Darkling army would go for their, like, leaders. So, like, that was another, like, power play move that I was like, the apparat knows what he's doing. And also, he was kind of hoping Lena was dead, no doubt. Like, he wanted just <laughs> all these people. He wanted to like, be like, Saint, you died and now I can take all these people mm-hmm. and control them, but plans are foiled yeah and it like you see it too like with the way Tolia and Tamar treat Alina because they are very much like Mal where they would like literally give up their lives for her but in a different way because they view her as a saint and somebody worth serving versus Mal who's doing it out of like actual emotional (laughs) attachment but that just reminded me of like the one quote that stood out in this book to me was Mal when he was like I I serve no country and he was like the only thing he serves is her because of his crown like the little like sun summoner pin anyway that's like a complete side note what did you think of Nikolai as a character I just love Nikolai I think yeah he's just like such a charmer you're right he doesn't have as much of an arc I feel like I am more let's go Nikolai because I feel like in this book you really only see the mask of Nikolai Mm -hmm. you don't see like many internal motivations and you see more of that in ruin and rising so i feel like it's like part of my love of nikolai is informed by the last book and like seeing more of his journey he's just i love a charmer i love a good type three (laughs) who is like 
we're gonna like change the world but like I'm also like have my own little side schemes going and like I just liked his his vibe you know it's just the vibes it's the vibes for me (laughs) but yeah you're right he doesn't really have a character arc in this book besides like I want to marry Alina for power but like I'm gonna be straightforward about it and I'm also gonna kind of try to make Mal jealous and kind of <laughs> make that mm-hmm. happen be a little bit of a catalyst for Mal's issues in this book I just like him as a person <laughs> I feel like for this book I feel like maybe I'll like him more in Rin Rising because I know like one element of his story like I know one thing that happens that would make his character more interesting and I can't wait to like get to that portion of it but for this book Hannah was saying like she found him to be like such a like an interesting character like unique but because I've read so many like court books the second son who wants to be king is <laughs> such a trope at this point like any kind of like tv show that you watch has like like rain probably has it where like the second son who is obviously better at everything who would be a better king but can't be because of like the way the society is set up sometimes it's like the daughter who can't do it so I felt like that element, like, we're supposed to empathize with him for that reason, but it didn't feel particularly revolutionary to me. But, like, arguably, does it have to be revolutionary? It serves its purpose in the series. Like, you understand what his motivations are, and you do agree with his assessment that he would be a better person. Also, he is, he gives me, like, Pirates of the Caribbean vibes. Like, Jack Sparrow. Yes, he, that, he definitely That is his does. vibe. <laughs> and I like that vibe. It's just something, it's, it's really the vibes. Like, that's it. <laughs> I just also appreciate, like, his straightforwardness in Mm. that, like, and how he's, like, gonna play it. I just like type three people, so I think that's also it. Like, that's where the vibes that I'm, like, (laughs) my faves. I feel like his one most interesting part was, like, the one scene where I was like, oh, you're kind of interesting here, was when Alina asks him point blank, like, if you had to leave me to the gallows, if that meant you were gonna get power, would you do it? And he was honest, like, I don't know. Like, I'm frustrated with myself because I can't say that, no, I would not, like, let you die in order to get power. And I was like, that is interesting. Let's explore that more, please. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, like, I also just like, I like the banter between Alina and Nikolai, but I also like that she does have moments with him like that where she's like, let me make you think about some of the things you're doing. Mm -hmm. Let me make you, like, question and, like, just, just process some of this stuff. And I think she's really good for him as a friend. Like, Mm -hmm. and she also, I think it's also, like, because I like Alina a lot when she's, like, immediately, like, you know, I just trust this guy. I don't really know why, but, like, I trust him. I'm like, yes, we trust him, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you about the friendship thing. Like, I remember the first time I read this series, I sort of halfway shipped them because of, like, the whole, like, kiss scene where she's like, I don't know if I want him to kiss me or not. But this time reading it, I was just like, you guys would be such great friends. Like, I don't see a romantic element of this for you but you guys do make each other better people I don't know what it was like I just didn't feel like the spark there and honestly I don't know if it happens but he'd be better with Zoya because (laughs) they have the same fucking personality on different sides of the spectrum and they would be so entertaining (laughs) you're not wrong I think that's kind of the point that they don't have a lot of chemistry like and they would be better suited as friends Mm -hmm. because like there are some moments in book three but I feel like it's more like because he's charming and more like you see even more like it should be a friendship and like that's the point like they don't have a lot of chemistry it would have been yeah like if they had like chemistry he would have been like too obvious of a choice to be like he's the polar opposite of the darkling but on the same spectrum like that would have been too on the nose give me mal because that as much as it frustrated me in the first book sure like i get (laughs) why they would be together and i appreciate him 
because of his yes. complex relationship with her. Yeah, and I mean, like you're saying, he's the one that, like, wants her to be okay, not to use her, not, like, I think in this book especially it always frustrates me because, like, every, truly, everybody wants to use her. Everybody wants her power, and that's what you're saying, and Mal, like, doesn't really want any of that. Like, he wants to go back to what she was, and that's his journey, as you said, to, like, figure out where he fits, but, like, he just wants her like at the end of the day like he just wants to be there for her and he wants to love her and like he's a simple soft boy that's all he wants and like he just doesn't know how to say it too because i feel like i understand why people are frustrated like i get it that they're frustrated that when he's like would you give up your power like would you do that but like he's not saying it because he actually wants her to give up her power that's him trying to tell her like if you didn't have the power i would still be here like in that doesn't impact how roundabout I feel about way, you. yeah, <laughs> like in the dumbest fucking way possible for a man <laughs> to say that. But like, I understand the underlying reasons, and yes. I'm like, oh, that's what makes me like you. Is like you're saying, like, if you didn't have anything, I would still be vibing. I would still check out and be here for you. Like, it's like this TikTok I saw where it was like people apologize for what they get frustrated by mm-hmm. in themselves. That's what he's doing, but in a yes. conversation, like he's trying to say what he would do. But, like, in the opposite way. Exactly. It's, like, he's trying. He's, like, would you... And he's also, like, being sort of, like, insecure because he's, like, I don't have this fucking power, so do you even want me anymore? The more we talk about it, the more I love Mal. (laughs) Like, I'm just, like, growing. And it's also, like, honestly, it's also due to Alina. Like, if she had told Mal, like, straight up at the beginning that she was seeing the Darkling, there would have been much less miscommunication. What is the point of... (laughs) it a secret be like yo i don't know if i'm going mad but this man's is showing up in my corner of my eye every once in a while like just say it because then they could like he's spying on them he could see what they're like i would be like there's a security breach i am being haunted (laughs) by the darkling that's that's a lot for siege and storm ready Mm -hmm. to talk about ruin and rising and yes, very excited to read that because I feel like that's the one like this book I didn't really remember a lot but like a lot doesn't really happen to be honest it's more like character setup and like political shit but I'm excited for Ruin and Rising because I remember some elements of it but I feel like since it's like the conclusion it's gonna be bomb like there's gonna be so much shit that happens I'm gonna be wilding out so yeah let's talk about the trailer and how I cried at the oh trailer I teared up that seems to be a common response for people who like the series <laughs> <laughs> We all are united in our tears. It looks so good, and I just, I need it to be so popular that they, it's a train, they can't stop. They just have mm-hmm. to make the Hot Topic gear. They have to sell keftas. They have to <laughs> do everything and give us every single story. I need it. I'm hopeful about it, because it does, I like what they're doing with the Volcra. The Volcra Whoever did the terrifying. for that, they look so so good and it makes it feel a little bit more mature than a YA series because of like those elements so I think they're gonna lean a little bit more because of the way the Volcra are like designed they probably will lean a little bit more into the gore it feels like I don't think they're gonna hide from it I don't know we'll see maybe they'll do like winks I feel like they're gonna do like the wink saga which I'm currently watching for (laughs) a separate thing where like there is gory elements to it but it's like a darker YA sort of story so I feel like they're gonna lean more into like that sort of vibe everything about it was great when I saw the crows, my brain literally spasmed. That's when I teared up. When I saw Jasper and he did his little wink and his little smirk, I was like, 
this is my favorite character. I'm ready to die. Confession time. I missed Jesper in the trailer the first time. I didn't see him because I was distracted by the fairy fire that was happening at two different <laughs> points. I was like, fire! And then I missed Jesper completely. <laughs> the effects just look mm-hmm. so good. Like that scene that they have where it's the person being like, we just saw the light. Mm-hmm. Like with all the Volcra, I was like, this scene is beautiful. Like, let me frame that. Let me hang that on my wall. <laughs> and I, I like what they're doing with her power. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like in that moment, like, it didn't just go, like, all out, spread out, and scare away the Volcra. It actually, like, killed some of them because it was, like, almost like a shot. And I was like, hoo 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 hoo, I am intrigued by this element of her power. And I feel like they just, the CGI for the powers themselves look really good. Like, when you were talking about the Inferni with, like, the fire, that, like, fight scenes are gonna look so good based off of like that one shot I'm, i have so much hope because yes. like that's what the fucking avatar movie should have done with their elemental powers which they did not do it was not <laughs> to that caliber no it was terrible but yeah i feel like everybody is cast so well the ball scene at the end where they, they go down to the court and he calls yes. the darkness and she does the like that looks beautiful and like them next to each other i was like yes also mal is so much better looking than i imagined him <laughs> he his face i'm sorry i'm i'm gonna be a mal sign from the beginning i already know i'm ready yes i also kind of love that i don't think they really gave us a lot beyond potentially the first two episodes like I'm I'm curious where they're gonna like end episode one like if they're gonna end it with her on the boat or if they're gonna end it with them in like the courtroom or like where that's it's gonna happen like either her using her powers on the boat but there's a lot they have to cover if they end episode one there or it would end with like her real them realizing who she is with her power and then like getting sent off but like I really like that well technically it's like a teaser trailer but they didn't give us a lot of visuals obviously they gave us the crows which i'm not sure when they'll fit in but they didn't give us a lot beyond like the first third of the book and i'm like ha 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 ha, ha. there's so much to look forward to and i feel like if we get like a full full trailer which i'm assuming we will before it gets released in two months they're gonna play into the darkling being good they're gonna give the audience like a fake expectation that he is like there for elena gonna help her be powerful but also, it was interesting to see, like, there's little bits of it, like, if you, you blink and miss, so, like, Jenya being in the background of some scenes, and mm-hmm. when she, like, walks into the bathroom, like, that, I was like, oh my god. She's in the background? I didn't even notice. I need to watch it, like, 50 more times. Yeah, so, like, when Alina's getting scrubbed, I, like, paused it, and you can see somebody with red hair sitting in a chair, like, in the distance, like, blurred out, and I was like, Jenya's right there. And my friend, Dulcie, <laughs> who we do the, like, um, live book clubs with about these books, was literally screenshotting scenes from the trip. She paused it. She was, like, full Twilight phase, like, doing deep dives. <laughs> she saw Jesper was on the, the Darkling's, like, skip. <gasps> yeah, because his eclipse, like, symbols were in the background, and she, like, upped the contrast and turned it black and white so you could fully see him <laughs> holding a gun as she did the absolute uh, move. That's so interesting, because now I wonder, I know Lee in the panel said like they're gonna bump up next to each other i wonder if they're gonna like change jesper's story to be that he like is an army abandoner and he Mm. like abandons after that scene 
since he goes on the skiff and like goes out to Ketterdam and like that's his conflict with his father like instead of going to university like he is a whatever it's called it's not abandoner but you know what I'm saying deserter Deserter. like he's a deserter (laughs) Ooh, that would be so interesting that makes sense and I feel like for the Nina because we didn't see any Nina in this trailer Mm -hmm. Nina and Matthias but we've seen like a screenshot of them like in the snow I feel like it's gonna be Mal that runs into them when he's looking for the stag. I feel like that's the only sort of like that makes character sense. that makes sense to run into them. Yeah, I'm really curious what they're going to do with Nina because they're going to have to change her whole story and how she ends up finding Matthias and like how that happens because all of mm-hmm. that is like she didn't have a lot of training because they were in the middle of the war and she goes off with Zoya at the end mm-hmm. and like yeah, I feel like they're they're not going to really for that part we're not going to under like get her backstory. It's just I feel like what I'm personally thinking might be wrong, but this is my premonition is it's just going to be like a scene with them. Like they're not actual like yeah. huge characters this season. It's like a one-off where we see them, she gets away and then she returns later on and becomes yeah. a bigger element and then we get her backstory probably. I yeah, I'm very intrigued about mm-hmm. different things they're going to do because obviously it's not I like I would love to see another heist that's not the 6 of crows heist because I know that's going to wait until after mm-hmm. the war and all of that, but like I think it's really interesting to bring them in earlier mm-hmm. and without like I just want them to be true to their characters and I mean that's how it looks already. And it's like smart of them to do that like to fold them into this Instead of creating, like, hoping to have a spinoff of The Crows Mm -hmm. later on. Like, just making it all one story. That's a really interesting choice. And, like, it is ripe for, like, more new, like, plot lines that we don't get as readers. Which is always nice when you're, like, you don't want an adaptation to just be, like, a straight, exactly what happened in the book. You want some, like, new stuff to see how it goes. So I'm really excited. So excited. Also, (laughs) unrelated, but why, when you said they're gonna play the Darkling as a good guy, did I think of the Lizzie McGuire movie trailer and Paolo? (laughs) Oh my god. Of all the things to make a comparison. But you, I'm not wrong, though. If you are not that. wrong. I have so much hope for the show. Like, every single thing makes me have more and more hope that it's good. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that, like, Lee has been, not obviously the, the last say, but she's been such a part of the process and they care, obviously, so much about these characters. Like, I think it's the producer, one of the, like, big people has had, like, Kaz as his profile picture for months like they obviously care about this story and want it to tell it well so like hopeful we get really great stuff unlike like Shadowhunters like the way they're marketing it too because they're like showing the cast a lot with their promotional material like the cast reacts to the trailer and all this stuff it just feel I feel like it's gonna blow up just because they're obviously putting all this fucking money. Oh, they're putting so much money. They really didn't so skip much out on money. those effects. They were like, let's make our VFX budget so much. Like, I wonder how much they spent on this show comparatively to different stuff. Because I know like The Crown is the most expensive show they've done mm-hmm. ever. But I feel like this has to be up there with like these effects. Like, I feel like it's probably like Witcher money. However, however much money they spent on Witcher, it's probably like comparable to that because it's sort of the similar sort of. And they saw like the sort of success they had with Witcher, and now they're trying to reach a younger audience with this one, but a similar vein of story. Yes, they need. I mean, it needs to happen. I need everyone to love this show and Truly. read all the books and just make it blow up because I am so. I just need a good. A really good YA fantasy TV series. 
I need another mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Yeah, like, this is the hypest I've been since, like, the Game of Thrones. Like, this is the most excited I've been for something coming out since, like, Game of Thrones final season. Like, actually, like, hype. Cannot wait for it to come out. Watching all the trailers immediately as soon as they drop and talking about them for an hour. Like, this is, like, the most excited I've been for something in a minute. Coming full circle since we, <laughs> since we yeah. binged Game of Thrones together to watch the last season, which hopefully will not be as disappointing as that one, which was yeah. a real sad time. Also, we're both, we I think we both said we're taking the day off to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see if I can switch my day off that I have, right, like I have a different, I think I have that like Monday off, mm-hmm. so I might just be like... But just move that to Friday, which I think will do well for my job. So just take yeah, it off, just fully... wake up, watch it all the way through. Mm-hmm. I'm fully just like taking the day off. I'm taking a full personal like PTO day. Like I am taking one of my vacation days and using it <laughs> to watch this show because I know like we're going to do like we're going to talk about it. We're going to do a live show. I want to be able to like watch it at least twice before Sunday. <laughs> I love that. This is our whole thing. It's like watch it twice before the live show. Truly, like, because I feel like you watch it once and, like, I experience all the emotions and I'm, like, really just, like, experiencing it. And it isn't until I watch something a second time that I get, like, to notice all the little details because that's what I'm doing with Winx. Like, I've watched the first four episodes and now I'm re-watching them as I do this thing I'm doing for that. Like, it helps to be able to, like, see the smaller details, I feel. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on this journey of us talking about Siege and Storm and the amazing trailer. And hopefully next time we'll have a full trailer to talk about when we are here to talk about Ruin and Rising. And hopefully I will edit episodes. I say that like every episode, but I believe in myself to start editing immediately after this. We got this. Yeah. So we'll see you guys next time for Ruin and Rising. And until then... Do we end this somehow? Do we how do we end I, these? I, I never think we know. just say talk to you later or something like that. I that works. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>